Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich, your host. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. Each episode, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, and outline some insight about early development. This series is time for you to be together and to feel like you're doing something good for and with your baby, small child, or multiple young children. Please follow your child's lead. I am a speech-language pathologist, and I specialize in work with very young children, but this is not to be confused with speech therapy. This is what I call family enrichment. All suggested activities are meant to be enjoyed by your baby under close adult supervision. For a more complete story of Strength in Words, please listen to my introduction episode or visit my website, strengthinwords.com. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to a yellow, hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello. Hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Hello to the children, hello to the grown-ups, hello, 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 hello. Hello to your friends, hello to my friends, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name, hello, 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 everybody, hello, everybody, hello, hello, hello. Today I'm sharing with you the replay of a live Ask Me Anything session I did on the Strength in Words Facebook page. Make sure you're following me on Facebook so that you can attend the next one live. One last time, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Welcome to episode 46 of the Strength in Words podcast. Today, as I said, I'm sharing the replay of a live video recording I did with friends of Strength in Words, in which I chat about some simple ways to play and connect, ideas for songs to sing during caregiving and play routines, and play materials you can use, hint, you already have these in your home, to support infant and toddler development. Welcome. It's so nice to be here on a Friday. It's a nice Friday morning, mid-December. I cannot believe that it is officially mid-December. We're just going to sort of chat. I have a few things to share with you, sort of tell you about. But if you have something that you, you know, have a burning question about or just want to know about, I'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and introduce yourself in the comments section below. Let me know who's here, where you are, where you're tuning in from, how old your baby is, whether you work with children. I'm excited to hear from you. So just to get started, I just want to tell you a little bit about sort of my story. I'm Ayelet Marinovich. I have started a while back, two years ago, something called Strength in Words, which is a website and resource online. But my husband and I moved abroad when I was 10 weeks pregnant with my first baby. And we were thousands of miles from anything or anyone familiar. And then we became parents. (laughs) 
So, hooray. Hi, Rena. Nice to see you. So, as my baby grew, once he was born, I really craved a place and a community where I could access, you know, developmentally based information paired with simple and practical ideas, right? Because we can all get developmental information maybe, you know, from our pediatrician or a doctor or, you know, from Google, God forbid. But when we have that, you know, real understanding of actually how to use that information, how to put it to use, that's where the magic happens, right? That's what we actually want to know because that's how we can actually use information. So I wanted that information paired with simple and practical ideas that I could apply to those precious actual little moments that I have to dedicate to my little one. So I was yearning for a place where I could easily, you know, pick and choose information that spoke to my desire to learn about how my child learns. And and I see that, you know, in sort of direct opposition to, you know, this divisive and prescriptive and overwhelming world of content that we are being sort of constantly fed these days. So I wanted to access, you know, developmentally appropriate information and ideas that I could use right away. And I wanted that to be from a reputable source. So since I couldn't find anything readily, I made something. (laughs) Basically what I did was I started to create sort of my own curriculum based on my own background as a pediatric speech language pathologist. And when my baby was about three months old, I started meeting with other families with young children for regular sessions that included music and play and sort of a discussion about, you know, what our little ones were doing developmentally and It was a really, you know, special opportunity to just engage in dedicated time to learning about our babies and sort of dedicated self-care also, where we got to chat and spend time with others who were also going through the same crazy time, right? So here's what happened. In this place, far from my own home and culture, families from all over the world started coming to these sessions. And, you know, I was just sort of creating exactly the resources to which I wanted access, and I was finding that other people found it valuable as well. And that was really reaffirming, right? So that's when those resources on strength in words were really born. So I started creating a virtual version of what I was doing through the podcast, the blog, and now through these online music classes and live Q&A workshops and virtual parent support groups and community that you can all access in both the website and the community lab. So anyway, today I have a few things that I want to share with you, but I also want to make sure that if you have questions, you know, specific questions, burning questions about your child's development about something you're struggling with that we address, you know, any of those that we can. And just a sort of disclaimer, you know, I'm a speech language pathologist. I'm a mom. I'm a professional. I cannot offer, you know, medical advice or developmental advice specifically, but I can offer resources and support. You know, that said, please go ahead and, you know, ask any questions and I'm happy to you know point you in any direction that I can. So, 
the goal, of course, today is to share and to sort of pool all of our resources. But basically, I want to familiarize you with the kind of resources that I offer through Strength and Words. And I also want to invite you to join that Strength and Words community lab where you can access all of those resources that I was mentioning, right? Music classes and support groups and workshops all online. And I want to tell you about that specifically right now because prices are actually going to be going up on December 21st. So now is an amazing time to lock in that membership as sort of a founding member where you can help to really shape what's happening and the community that, that means something to you. Okay, so some favorite materials to support infant and toddler development. I want to talk about, you know, just simple ways that we can play and connect. Thinking about breaking down those kinds of experiences that I try to offer both my own children. I have an 11-month-old infant and a nearly four-year-old. I can't call him a toddler anymore. He is toddlerish, and yet he is a big boy. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. But basically, when I try to break down those experiences that I try to offer my own children, as well as the clients I work with as a speech-language pathologist and as a parent educator, because I do a lot of one-on-one work with families as well, I feel like a lot of these sort of fall into the categories of, you know, music, early literacy, sensory, and then sort of the use of visual supports, right? Because we know that young children learn best when they have, you know, an immediate context of what's happening right around them, right? So visuals, whether that's just holding up, you know, two clothing items for an infant or a young toddler and, you know, saying, which one do you want to wear? Or, a picture of something or two animal toys or two cars to a toddler and, oh, you know, which one should I be and which one should you be, right? Young children learn through direct access to, to what's happening right in front of them, right? So when we think about these sort of specific visuals, we specific early literacy experiences. And I think oftentimes we hear that word early literacy and we think we could jump immediately to, oh yeah, right. I'm supposed to be reading to my child. Well, guess what? There are lots of ways that you can engage in early literacy experiences with your infant or toddler that look nothing like sitting your child on your lap and reading to them and making sure that they are attending, right? We know that young children have very limited attention spans, right? So there are like six pre-reading skills that your child can start to learn and engage in really from birth and to make reading and print fun, right? So one of those things is like print motivation, being interested in simply enjoying books. And for some children at some developmental levels, that looks like mouthing a book, right? (laughs) It doesn't have to look like sitting there and reading, right? It's so hard to get out of our adult conceptions of what these terms mean. And remember that it's not about this linear progression of, right, I have to, I have to sit. Um, If I read to my child, he will learn to read, right? It's also about my experience reading with my child is going to look very different at different ages. And A plus B does not equal C. Books are not necessarily just for reading. Uh, Blocks are not necessarily just for stacking or building, right? Books are for mouthing. Books are for just looking at the pictures, just taking sort of a picture walk. Or uh, really 
books and other print materials, right? Because early literacy experiences are not just books. They include also any print in the area. So if you have alphabet blocks and you're, you know, playing around and your child is mouthing those alphabet blocks, you're also engaging in early literacy experiences. Fiona says, that's great. My little one loves to eat books. I was getting worried, right? <laughs> no, that is not something to worry about. You, As parents, we have plenty to worry about. Take the pressure off. That's not one of those things. But, you know, things like letter knowledge and, you know, narrative skills, how to tell a story, right? We are telling stories to our children constantly when we are talking through events, when we are talking through caregiving routines, right? Oh, here we go. First, we're going to sit down and take off your pants so that we can change your diaper, right? Brooke says, my little one loves to flip through books from back to front. <laughs> yeah, so that's fine, right? Simply the act of turning pages is actually a wonderful thing to get your child engaged in. That is engaging in early literacy experiences. That's wonderful. Obviously, they will learn that in English, for instance, books go from front to back. But actually, in some languages, Hebrew, for instance, books read from back from back to front. So even exposing a young toddler to that is really valuable, just talking about those things, right? Now, I said also music, right? If you have watched or listened to or seen anything from Strength and Words, you know how much I value musical experiences, and I try to infuse everything, <laughs> everything that I can with music. And I have my latest podcast episode with wonderful music therapist, Meryl Brown, who talks all about tips to use music to engage early development and engage infants and toddlers. And it's wonderful. And I encourage you all to go and listen to that episode, which is just fantastic. But also we forget that, again, to get out of that sort of linear books are for reading, songs are for singing, right? We can learn a song and sing a song and it doesn't have to, we don't have to remember the words. We can substitute all of the words for our baby's name. We can take out all the words. We can not sing the melody and instead just tap to the beat and say the words, right? That's what nursery rhymes are. And those are still musical experiences because there's a built-in rhythm, right? It is a rhythmic, there's a meter Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, right? These things are metered. That's tempo. That's rhythm. You are providing a musical experience for your child when you are reading nursery rhymes. That's so cool. And recognizing how much we're already doing, right, is I think one of the big things that I try to bring to my work with Strength in Words and really helping people understand that it doesn't take a lot of stuff. It's not about, you know, being able to... I know, Brooke, you and I have chatted a lot about that book, um, 30 Million Words, which is all about the gap that exists between when we, when we engage in these experiences with our children 
And when we don't, and it's all about just providing simple, simple, simple experiences for our little ones. So let's see. Another thing that we can talk about is sensory experiences. And I'm about to release my next podcast episode, which is an interview with Jill Loftus of Honest Occupational Therapy. And she's a pediatric occupational therapist and talked all about sensory processing and um, tips to meet sensory needs of our infants and toddlers. And I have a chance to, you know, sit down with her and talk with all of the guests on my podcast and I bring them onto the community lab for like a live workshop. And then all of those members get to ask all of these amazing professionals their questions directly, which is amazing. So one of the things that Jill talked about and talks about in the podcast episode is we were sort of taught to believe that we have five senses. Now, yes, we have five senses, but we also have these three additional senses which really inform what our body is taking in at any moment and how our body is responding to the outside world, which is what sensory information is, right? I think a lot of times, you know, we get stuck in that, like, looking at, like, Pinterest, right? You've got, like, oh, sensory bins, sensory bottles, sensory blah, 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 right? And I think it's really easy for us to get stuck on what, on understanding and conceptualizing sensory activities as that tactile stuff, like a sensory bin with beans and, you know, water beads or whatever. And yes, that is super, super useful and wonderful to expose your child to, but that's not the only kind of sensory experience we can give our children, right? What other things can we think about when we're providing sensory experiences? Well, visual experiences, auditory experiences, Tactile, certainly, but also movement experiences, things like moving around or pushing on things and really engaging our muscles. And when you start to realize like, oh, right, even, you know, gustatory or taste experiences are sensory experiences. And when we start to think, oh, right, that's all sensory experience, everything, (laughs) everything is a sensory experience, right? Bubbles, yes, bubbles are a wonderful sensory experience. And bubbles can be used so beautifully with any age, right? We think about it as like, oh, well, again, back to that linear, like a bubble to play with bubbles with my young child, I must put in the wand, blow the bubble, and then, oh, it's going to be messy. My toddler's going to want to play with it. They're going to want to grab it, right? Oh, an infant, how can they play with bubbles? Of course they can. It's just a matter of needing them at that level. So even think about like a teeny tiny infant who's just starting to see, you know, from like this distance and maybe an infant who's just about starting to sort of reach and grasp, say around the three, four month mark. Imagine taking your bubble wand, putting your bubble out there and just blowing strong enough so that that bubble stops, right? And is like a big bubble on the end of the wand. How can I explain this more clearly? But then putting it just out of your child's reach so that he has or she has to reach for it and pop, wow. Like to teach your child that they can actually pop it and they have that control over something, like they can engage with their world, even for like a four-month-old who is barely able to do anything, like, what, a, what an amazing gift to give that child. How exciting. So we can think about all of these little things, and it's all about 
meeting them where they are, right? So that is sort of what I want to give to you is this understanding that we're always providing experiences for our children. We confuse every day and every moment with very simple things. And I think it's very easy for us as parents to feel like I'm not giving my child enough. I'm not there, right? We're working parents. We're not around. How can I maximize those like teeny tiny in-between moments with stuff that they're going to want to do? And of course, it's going to be very, very difficult to to do that and to feel confident and empowered and connected to your child when you have limited time. So that is what I am trying to provide is that number one, the confidence that you can do that because really it takes five minutes when we bring in our day with these little moments of things that are super simple with our children, we provide them with the things that they need. So um, I want to just tell you too, like I have this, weekly email sequence that that provides you based on your child's age with simple ways to play and connect with your infant and toddler and you tell me whether you're expecting an infant whether you have a zero to six month old a six to twelve month old and so on and so forth up through age three and then I send you a weekly email about you know a few say a sensory experience or a musical experience or a visual kind of support that you might use or an early literacy experience that is appropriate for your child's age. So if you're interested in sort of going deeper with me and having access to all of those things, you can check out that community lab, which is just community.strengthandwords.com. And you're welcome to come and take a one-week trial of that. You don't pay anything for the first week, and then you can cancel if you don't want to. But, yeah, we've got developmental music classes. We've got live Q&A sessions. And when you join the community lab, you have access to all of those things. And it's a, guys, it's like a ridiculous price right now. And when if you join before next Thursday, week from Thursday, like... <laughs> It's I, I want people in there, which is why I have it at a, such a low price right now. But I, I just want to give you guys the good stuff. Anyway, okay, so let's keep going. I wanted to cover a few songs to sing during caregiving and play routines. Does anyone have any songs that they like to sing or that their children love it when they sing? Two of the songs that I love singing that I find just are super easy and malleable, I guess you could say, are... Skip to my loo and wheels on the bus, just as sort of an example. So how to use songs every day. So I use songs all day long during caregiving routines, during play routines. Stephanie says right now we're all about Christmas songs. Oh my gosh, I know. My big boy loves jingle bells. And then at his preschool, another class came in and sang Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And so he's been like completely obsessed with learning that. It's so cute. And as a person who during his first two years, I was leading these music classes and he was was with me every time I let them, sometimes, you know, one or two or three times a week. And this is a child who like up until now has never sung in his life. <laughs> Finally, I'm like reaping the benefits. So just so you know, it's coming, right? Everything that we put in from the very, very early, early age, it comes back to us. 
Oh, good. Rebecca says 10 little fingers. Yes, I love that one. Thank you. I'm glad. Oh, Eldon loves it. And then um, Fiona says that Eva loves the little bunnies sleeping till noon. Oh my gosh. Yes, my big boy loves that one too. And every time after we get out of a bath, we use that song. He like crouches down in his little hooded towel and then we do sleeping bunnies or sleeping dinosaurs or he gets to choose, you know, what animal is sleeping and then he acts it out, which is very cute. But yeah, so we sing songs during caregiving routines and play routines. Rena says, I'd love to learn a Christmas song. Oh, good. Well, maybe we can teach you a Christmas song today, Rena. Does anyone have a favorite Christmas song that they like to sing? So I'm just going to keep talking about how we use music you know, to help our children attend to things, to distract them from, you know, less interesting or less preferred activities. And then just, of course, just for interaction, just during play. So again, back to that, you know, A plus B does not necessarily equal C. We don't have to remember the words all the time. We can change the words, right? Free yourself, (laughs) words can be about people the words can then become about objects or or experiences in context and in the environment Kalia says wheels on the bus and itsy bitsy spider yes great and Brooke says something about the Christmas tree since that's all she cares about yes oh my gosh tell me about it it's so hard we have our tree my family I grew up Jewish but also celebrating Christmas that's my own personal background but so we've always had a tree you know sometimes we laugh and call it a Hanukkah bush but basically we have all the ornaments above grasping distance from my 11 month old who uh, so far has we've been just able to distract him but I I can tell that that's about to change (laughs) of course so we can substitute words for for things, right? For actions and people and what the characters in the songs are doing. So let's take, say, Skip to My Lou and simply just like substitute the actions, right? And I just want to give you examples of like how we can use that in play routines or or caregiving routines. So like in an eating routine, because Brooke, I know this is something that you've asked me about in the past. Does everyone know that song, Skip to My Lou, right? Skip, skip, skip to my Lou, skip, skip, skip to my Lou, skip, skip, skip to my Lou, skip to my Lou, my darling. Okay, so we can just scrap those words because who knows what to my Lou means, right? Does that mean to the loo, to the toilet? I mean, it could be if we wanted to make it into a... A routine about going to the toilet to helping your child like ex- get excited about going and using the potty like sure you could make it about that but we can also make it about say we're sitting at the table and we're saying eat eat eating with my baby eat eat eating with my baby eat eat eating with my baby eating with my baby today and then you can pause and Look at the the things on the plate, right? Ooh, which one are we going to eat? Are we going to eat the, the, you know, soft carrot? Or are we going to eat the, I don't know, the, the fruit, the piece of plum? What do you think? And then if your baby or toddler says or reaches towards or looks at one of those things, you can then offer it and then say, keep singing about it, right? Oh, my baby's eating a little plum, my baby's eating a little plum, me and my baby are eating a plum, we're eating a plum today, and you can eat some plum, and she can eat some plum, 
And even if she's not eating the plum and you're just showing how you're eating the plum, like how exciting and what a much more interactive and fun way to be sitting at the table and eating than just getting frustrated but your child's not eating that darn plum. Like, if we are using music and using our voice and using that interaction to make something more interesting, to engage and to play, then we are probably more likely to have the attention and keep that attention of our little ones for a longer period of time and to have fun. Can you do an example for our diaper changes, says Rebecca? Can I need to distract them. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Let's do that. So sometimes what I like to do is just have a few little preferred objects or items with me around diaper changes. And whether that's something that makes a sound or is like visually interesting to look at or whatever it is, my personal is an egg shaker. And if you don't have an egg shaker, you can have a homemade shaker, right? Whether it's like a poster tube of of some sort of rattle or something else that makes noise, right? This is one of the favorites. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's like the favorite thing. But so, I mean, if you're just talking about what your baby's doing with it, or let's use, say, wheels on the bus for a diaper routine. Okay, so the baby on the bus goes, ha, 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 ha. Baby on the bus, and then just mimic the the sound that your child is making. Or you can, you know, say you have a picture, or I found these little cards at a thrift store years ago. It's like these little cards of, of animals, and they're really fun. They're super retro and cute. Using those, or just using images that you've printed out from like a web search, and then I love this is one of my like go to things is just attaching them to a piece of cardboard and then just giving a choice and then you can say what you're going to sing about right the animals on the bus they make some sounds they make some sounds right this is just to distract okay so you can also think um, sing about the animal sounds right have them pick and then they hold on to one of those things while you're frantically changing the diaper, right? Or you can sing about the diaper. You can sing about how your child is going to, you know, his bottom's going to be clean. Like, you can sing about anything. My baby's bum is going to be clean, right? I mean, <laughs> we're getting a little funny here. But seriously, like, it doesn't have to be about anything in particular. Does that answer your question, Rebecca? Like, I hope that's helpful, Because it's really just at that point, like it's about distraction. It's about like singing about or telling about something that's going to happen, right? Stuff like that. So, oh good. I'm getting a lot of thumbs ups and and happy, happy faces. So that's great. I want to move on unless anyone has, oh, we were going to do like a a Christmas song. Who, what, what Christmas song do we want to sing guys? You tell me and then we can actually end with that if we want to. But I want to show you a few of the sort of play materials that I like to use that are, you know, already probably in your home. So I'm going to start with a few that I already showed you, a homemade rattle. You can make musical instruments out of 
almost anything. And I have a lot on my blog, right? I have, like, if you search for DIY instruments, you can find other, under the, like, blog music section, you can find a ton of DIY instruments, of activities using music and stuff like that. A lot of good good stuff. And then also on, I have, like, a Pinterest board all about DIY instruments. So if you follow me on Pinterest, it's just pinterest.com slash strength and words. I have a bunch of boards that I, we all know Pinterest can get really overwhelming. So I like to keep a collection there of things that I like to use or have or, or make and, and that, you know, the stuff that's like not overwhelming. (laughs) So, okay. So here is one example of like a super simple instrument. I love this, right? It's just a poster tube inside. I have no idea if I just put like beans or rice or lentils or whatever it is, but You know, obviously you're going to make sure that number one, you are supervising your child and number two, that it is totally closed, right? Anytime you make an instrument, you want to make sure that it is safe. Another thing that I like to use for an instrument, any kind of bowl, right? And you can have drums that are different timbers, you can say, right? This kind of a drum makes an interesting sound as opposed to which also is a drum, but makes a very, very different kind of sound. And then another kind of bowl, say you have a plastic bowl, right, versus a metal bowl. Those kinds of things are wonderful things for our children to just sort of tap on and keep the beat from, right? Okay, so these are great musical instruments. But, you know, babies love those, like, crinkly books and crinkly toys. But the hack that I like to share with people is an empty one of these, right? A wipes container. That's why your child always wants to steal the wipes, right? Because it makes that great sound. Um, And then actually putting inside things like a scarf or a sock and helping them instead of the wipes, right? Helping them actually to grasp or use their pincer grasp to take things out. Like what a fun activity and what you know, eight, nine-month-old infant doesn't want to take things out and sometimes put things back in. Put in, take out, put in, take out. That's like all day my kid could do this, right? And then when you're developing that pincer grasp or that the grabbing and you're sort of evolving into a pincer, which is something that young children need eventually to start to write and, and hold utensils and all of those things, right? These are sort of the early developing skills that we see motorically that we can engage in from very early with very simple materials, right? Okay, what's another one? Another one that I like to share is a mirror, whether it's something like this or, you know, a wall mirror or something like Ikea has those sticky mirrors that you can stick to any surface. My favorite thing was having those mirrors on the wall next to my child's changing station. My big boy, we did that next to his diaper changing area. And that, Rebecca, is what saved me as far as diaper changes. Like the distraction of him simply being able to look at his feet was like, wow, (laughs) what an amazing thing. And we could play peekaboo. We could use his, his diaper or his clothes to, to hide him or hide me in the mirror. And that was like, 
what a great way when he's starting to lose it to bring him back. And you can make peekaboo into a wonderful musical song, right? Pika 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 boo. Pika 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 boo. And that skipped my loop. So again, thinking outside the box. I'm just going to show you my finger puppets are great. Any puppet is great. I have a few puppets on my website, DIY puppets, but one of my favorite puppet materials is either a dishwashing glove or a sock. You don't need a sock puppet. You don't need a finger puppet. You just need a sock. And whether that's a, my sock or my child's sock, your child's sock, having an extra pair of socks at all times, you know, in your backpack is probably a nice thing to have. But that's a great thing to just pull out, like, when you're waiting for the bus or the tube or the metro or when you're in the car, if, if you have someone sitting in the backseat of the car, right? The car is hard because it's just not always a pleasant experience. But having things like that in your arsenal of your diaper bag, an extra pair of socks, both for warming the feet and for finger puppet play, is one of my favorite things to have. I also often bring an egg shaker because it's just a great thing. It's an easy thing for a baby to mouth. It is, you know, it makes lots of wonderful noise. It's not loud. It's pretty quiet. So in a public place, it's not a horrible thing to have around. So that's really what I got for you guys. I'm here, you know, for a few more minutes. If you guys have any questions, I'm happy to answer. I just want to remind again that prices are going up on that community lab, which is my membership community, which gives access to online music classes where we do, you know, a ton of music all together and we can meet live, but you can also watch the replay of all of these things, right? I know that we're very busy as parents and we're not always, you know, available for live opportunities, but the beauty of that community lab is that it's not only sort of this option for live engagement, but it's also a library of resources. So it's something that you can, you know, you can just kind of go in, pick and choose what you want from it and feel like it's sort of a, an activity buffet, right? Which is actually why I call it the lab. In my head, that that's sort of twofold, right? It, it stands for learning activity buffet, which is like that idea that we can just like go in and get like a bite-sized morsel to sort of snack on, to grab, to, to use when we need it. But it's also a lab in the sense of like, we are all experimenting. We don't know as parents what the heck we're doing. It's a grand experiment. Parenthood is sort of, I like to say, it's like the great equalizer, right? Because we are, no matter where we come from, who we are, what color, what religion, what culture, what languages we speak, we are all, when we become parents, like at the same level. We are reduced to <laughs> like very vulnerable, wide-eyed people who are have really no idea what we're doing. And I think... It's funny because we live in this age of over so much information, but it's so hard to now pare it back to be like, I just need the stuff that I need, that I can trust and that I can value. And I need a community of people that I actually like <laughs> and who respect me and that it's not about this sort of divisive like, well, you know, breastfeeding versus bottle feeding and sleep training versus co-sleeping like that's not what parenthood is about parenthood in those early days is about building each other up finding communities of support 
and getting access to information that works for us at the time that we need it. That is what parenthood should be about. And that is what I'm trying to create with Strength and Words. And somebody liked that. So I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one that thinks that this is important. That is why I have created what I'm creating. And that's it, right? I mean, what else is there? We want parent support, co-parent support. We want access to professionals. We want access to information, to evidence-based information that's developmentally appropriate. That, that is the same. I mean, right? This is about how humans develop. This is not about this parenting philosophy versus that parenting philosophy. I mean, yes, like you can find on the internet anything that you want to support what you think is correct, right? <laughs> to support your claim. Like, that's fine. Go ahead. But I'm talking about research-based information and ideas that really do support what we're trying to do. And, and all of the research says that it is the basic stuff, right? It's going back to basics, going low-tech, going into using cardboard boxes. Because that's what our babies are going to be playing with anyway. I mean, how much money have you or your friends or family spent on crappy toys, honestly, that make a lot of sound and that your child maybe plays with for like two seconds. A lot. And that's not how our children learn. Our children learn through observation, imitation, and interaction. And those opportunities, when we give opportunity to do that, whether it is for an hour, for five minutes, each and every day, that's how our children learn and that's how they are supported in all areas, whether it's cognitive development, communication development, motor or sensory development, and social and emotional development, that is how our children learn. So again, my community lab, that's what I try to provide. It's sort of this all-in-one resource that's not one-size-fits-all. It's about giving access to professionals, to each other. It's about simplifying. You don't have to go and find a music class and a workshop to attend and developmental curriculum that you can purchase it's all right there and it's all like very easy to access and Brooke is one of my members and she can tell you that she literally sits with her phone and can like write and attend events and look at stuff and read stuff and get what she wants to in five minutes time or however much time she wants to put into it so I think right now and I can speak to that as a new mom a seasoned new mom but a new mom all the same like that's what I want so I'm sure there are other people who value that too so even if that's not something that you are ready to commit to please spread the word because this is this is valuable stuff this is important stuff so again if you guys have any questions we had somebody wanting to learn a christmas song right rena wanted to learn a christmas song anybody want to suggest one we, if we want to we can end the session with that today one of my favorite ones is a less traditional one it's called the coventry carol has anyone heard of that one i'll sing it for you okay ready Lule, lule, a little tiny child. Bye, bye, lule, lule. Lule, lule, a little tiny child. Bye, bye, lule, lule.
So that's my personal favorite Christmas carol. Uh, Brooke suggested Oh Christmas Tree. Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah, because Everly wants to touch the Christmas tree. So you can sing about it. I don't remember all of the words. So I'm going to give you an example right now of how you can substitute some words. Okay. Oh Christmas tree. Oh Christmas tree. Look at it now. It's right in front of you. Oh Christmas tree. Oh Christmas tree. I see the green pine needles. Look at that. I see a snowflake. Look at that. It's a nutcracker. Oh Christmas tree. Oh Christmas tree. We decorated it together. Right there, like we're talking about what we see. We're talking about what we did together. We are talking about what it looks like. We could add in how it smells, right? All of these things we can do. Anybody else have one to suggest? Doesn't have to be a Christmas carol. It could be any other song. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm just going to start and we'll sing our goodbye song and we'll move on with our day. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye, Jill. Goodbye, Rebecca. Goodbye, Brooke. Goodbye, Fiona. Goodbye, Leah. Goodbye, Rena. Goodbye, everyone. See you next time. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts. Being here together. Thanks so much, everybody. Oh, it was so nice to have you. And don't forget, if you haven't signed up for Strength in Words Weekly, do that today. And it's been great. So thanks, everybody, and have a wonderful day. Have a good one. Bye.